There's enough in the gospel lesson today that I could have done a sermon and probably five or six sermons on that. But I chose to do the sermon on Genesis, the verses that Ed read for us just a few minutes ago. So I wanted, because I want to talk about this, this call to the journey. You know, we talked about no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Life is a journey. Abram was called to the journey. We are called to that journey. But before I get into talking about Abram's call exactly, I want to place this call in in context, in Genesis. Genesis as I would hope most of you know, is the first book of the Bible, right? The Hebrew Bible, the Jewish Bible, and the Christian Bible. Genesis is the first book. And Genesis can be broken into two parts. The first part, chapters 1 through 11, are often called the primeval history, the history of beginning, the history of how the world, the cosmos, was created. Of course, it includes the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and the, 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 becoming, the coming civilization that came from all of that family. It includes the story of Noah and the flood and all that came with that. And it includes the story of the Tower of Babel. But then at the end of chapter 11, we start getting into a part called patriarchal history, the history of the Jewish people, the history of the Hebrew people. We have stories from Abram and Sarah, from Hagar, from Isaac and Ishmael, from Esau and Jacob and Joseph. And Joseph's death ends Genesis. So right now, today, we're at what is often called the fulcrum point between the primeval history and the ancestral history, the patriarchal history of the Jews. So there's a shift here. It's called a fulcrum point because there's a shift in the narrative here. Those first 11 chapters were about a rebellious people. Sort of, but they were they were more of a worldview. They were Adam and Eve, and their first sin, if you will, eating the apple from the tree, and then they got thrown out of the garden. But they still they procreated. They had Cain and Abel, and Cain killed his brother. And then, but Cain was was kind of he was still he sort of wandered around as a fugitive more than anything, but he was still also able to procreate. So civilization began. And then we come to Noah. And Noah, same thing. God finds all these people, these people he has created. They're all being rebellious. They're being violent. They're being oppressive. So what does God do? He sends a flood and wipes out everybody except Noah and his family and the animals. So Noah and his sons procreate again and again and more civilization comes and what happens? The people that want to build this tower to make a name for themselves, they want to build it as high as heaven, but they're all speaking one language. And God says, uh-uh. you guys are not obeying me. You're being a rebellious people. So I'm going to scatter you, and I'm going to give each of you a different language. At the end of chapter 11, that has happened. 
But then comes the genealogy, and it's a genealogy sort of from Noah after the flood all the way up to a person named Terah, T-E-R-H-A, T-E-R-A-H. And Terah is the father of Abram and two other sons. And Terah, for some strange reason, he is in the Ur of the Chaldeans, somewhere near the Euphrates River, somewhere in Mesopotamia. We're not exactly sure. Maybe somewhere in what would be current-day Iraq. And Terah one day, one of his sons has died, so Terah takes Abram and Abram's wife, Sarai, and Lot, his, his grandson. And Terah decides, okay, I want to go. I, I want to go. I wanna, let's, let's move to Canaan. So they leave. There's no God involved here, at least as far as the story is concerned. It's not God calling Terah to take off and go somewhere else. But Terah does. And they don't quite get to Canaan. They come to a land called Haran, and that's where they stay. And that's where we pick up the story today with God actually calling Abram to go. God says to Abram, whoops, let me find the right place. God says to Abram, go. The imperative, go. Just go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, there's nothing in this story that says Abram went willingly. It does say that Abram went, but it also has a promise in here. God says to Abram, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Those are important words. But what's important also about this promise is that it's unilateral. It's one-sided. God does not ask Abram to promise anything. God just says, go, shoves him out. We hear that Abram leaves and goes, takes Sarah, Sarai, and Lot with him, his nephew, and they go. God's promise is unilateral. God does not ask for anything in return. But God says, this is what I will do for you. So Abram left. Abram and his family left. It wasn't that they didn't have problems along the way, for they did. They never got quite to the land of Canaan. They got somewhere near the land of Canaan, and a famine hit. And so Abram and his family had to go to Egypt. And then they did come back. And you'll find in the rest of Genesis the story of, of how this family of Abram became the family of Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. You find this, the rest of the stories, the stories of Ishmael and Isaac. You find the stories of Jacob and Esau and the story of Joseph, who ended up in Egypt, where the Hebrews then later went and became slaves of Egypt. So God's promise is, I will be with you, and I will make you a great nation. But in the book of Genesis, that hasn't quite happened yet. But if we follow along that same sort of idea that God has given started with Abraham, God has given all these promises. Isn't that what's happened in the rest 
of the Old Testament in the rest of Hebrew scripture. God finally in Exodus takes his, his, his people out of Egypt, leads them 40 years in the wilderness, sure, but he provided for them all those 40 years, landed them in the land of milk and honey, not without wars, not without aggravation, not without troubles. There's all kinds of stories. And as this civilization, this people develop, and the people around them develop, we still have the judges. God gave judges to the people. The people were still rebellious. God, they said to God, we want to be like our countries around us. We now want kings. So God gave them kings. God was still with them. God still was promising to make these people, these descendants of Abram, these descendants of Abraham. Abraham and Hagar, Abraham and Sarah. God gave this promise to Abraham to, for both of his sons, the descendants of both of his sons, Ishmael and Isaac. So all of this, what we would now call the Middle East probably, all of this is, is this land that God has promised. And it wasn't easy. It never was easy. But I want to think about this promise. These people lived with this promise. And even though they rebelled, we find even after the time of the kings, they got taken over by Babylon and they got taken over by Assyria. The kingdoms fell apart, but God was always there. And then God sent prophets to say, hey, you're still my people. You still have this promise. I've given you this promise that I will be with you. I will walk with you in the struggle. People still rebelled. So then we come to Nicodemus. Nicodemus who is also on a journey. Nicodemus who is trying to figure out what it means to be Jewish, what it means to be part of this people of God. And he's going to Jesus. Jesus was another promise, another sign of that promise, that God would never leave God's people. God would be there in the struggle. The people didn't listen to the judges. The people didn't listen to the kings. The people didn't listen to the prophets. And most of the people didn't listen to Jesus either. But God still gives this promise. Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus about this promise, that God is there, God is with us, God is in this struggle. When you come to the end of the book of Matthew, these words of Jesus have always stuck with me because Jesus says to his disciples, go. The same thing God gets said to Abraham. Jesus says, go, make disciples, share my love, Baptize the whole world. Go everywhere. And Jesus continues the promise God gave to Abraham. Go and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Even in the struggles, even in the illnesses, even in the wars, even in the times of oppression, God still tells the believers to go. Go on that journey. Go out there and share my love. 
And it didn't end when Jesus died. It didn't end when the disciples all died off. It didn't end when the Reformation came and went. It's still a promise God gives to us today. We are still on that same journey we call life. And we believe as members of the United Christ, we say in our statement of faith that God is with us in the struggle for justice and peace. We say that as our statement of faith. We believe that God gave us that promise, not just those that lived several thousand years ago, or Jesus and his followers that lived 2,000 years ago. We believe that promise is still for us. So today, today I ask you one thing. I ask you, what does this promise mean? And how and where will you go? You don't have to leave Charlotte or wherever you live. You might follow the promise and live the promise in your own community, maybe at work, maybe in the cir your circle of friends. And I want to close with this statement from an Old Testament professor, the Reverend Dr. Frank Yamada. In Lent, a season usually marked by repentance and humility, we are reminded of God's unconditional promises. Remember that. God's promise to Abraham was not, if you go, I will give you these things. God's promise was unconditional. So we are reminded this week of God's unconditional promises that are directed to us, not by our own merit. God blesses us with the remarkable gift of life, even when our present circumstances point to a state of barrenness. God's blessing is specific enough to address our particular conditions and universal enough to extend to all the peoples of the earth. Like Abraham, all that is required of us is to go as the Lord asked. Amen.